Hey, and welcome to Muscle for Life. I am Mike Matthews. Thank you for joining me today for a new episode, an interview with my buddy John Goodman about finding a good coach, which can be a daunting task because these days with social media, the barrier to entry to becoming an online coach is lower than ever. And people are spoiled for choice and too much choice can actually create overwhelm and exhaustion paradoxically. And so with so many coaches out there, it can be tough to separate the sheep from the goats, as they say, because there are a lot of bad ones out there, a lot of bad options. Now, there also are plenty of good coaches, but even some of them are not going to be the best fit for you, for your goals, your needs. And so this interview is all about how to find a coach that will work for you, that you should hire. And I wanted to get Jonathan on the show because he knows quite a bit about good and bad trainers because his entire business is based on making coaches better at what they do. He created the first ever certification for online fitness trainers, which is the Online Trainer Academy. And that teaches online coaches how to earn more money and how to better serve their clients. Jonathan has also written several books on the topic. He is the host of the Online Trainer Show, his own podcast where he shares advice for fitness professionals looking to build an online career. And so in this interview, Jonathan and I talk about different places to look for a trainer and what matters most in finding the one for you. We talk about trainer certifications and qualifications, what to look for, what to ignore. We talk about red flags to watch out for when you're hiring a coach, when you should fire a coach as uncomfortable as it can be, and more. Before we begin, you definitely don't need supplements to lose fat and no fat loss supplements are going to make a major difference in your bottom line results. How you eat, how you train, how you sleep, those are the primary factors that determine how quickly you lose fat. But if you have the budget and you have the inclination, supplementation can help you lose fat a little bit faster. And that's why I created Phoenix. It is a 100% natural and stimulant-free fat burner that speeds up your metabolism, enhances fat burning, and reduces hunger and cravings. And in terms of bottom line, real world results, when you combine Phoenix with proper diet and proper exercise, it can help you lose up to an additional one to two pounds of fat per month. And the reason Phoenix is so effective is simple. Every ingredient is backed by peer-reviewed scientific research and is included at clinically effective levels, which are the exact doses used in the studies that found benefits. And all that is why I have sold over 200,000 bottles of Phoenix and why it has over 1,900 four and five star reviews on Amazon and my website. So if you want to lose fat faster and if you want to experience less hunger and cravings when you're cutting without having to pump yourself full of harsh chemicals or stimulants, you want to try Phoenix today. Go to buylegion.com, B-U-Y-Legion.com slash Phoenix, P-H-O-E-N-I-X, and use the coupon code MUSCLE at checkout and you will save 20% on your first order. And if it is not your first order, you will get double reward points. That is 10% cash back. And if you don't absolutely love Phoenix, just let us know 
and we will give you a full refund on the spot. No form and no return is even necessary. So you really can't lose. Go to buylegion.com slash Phoenix. Use the coupon code muscle when you check out and you will save 20% or get 10% cash back and try Phoenix risk-free and see what you think. Hey, John, welcome back to my podcast. Yeah, it's been a little while. It was it was fun catching up before we started recording here. I feel like we could have done that for a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, congrats on on the imminent. Well, actually, I don't know when. Did you it's say when the baby's coming? No, but man, it's yeah. pretty imminent. Like I don't know when this is going out, but I might be I might be a father of two by the time that this comes out. Oh wow! So imminent. so you're right there. It's uh it's about a month from when we're recording this. Okay. Just do. So who knows when the baby yeah. will decide to come? But about that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's exciting. How old is your um, your kid, the, your, your, my, kid you my right oldest in? will be turning yeah. five. My other one, my oldest, nice. my other one will be turning five in May. Okay. And so about the same as me. I have a nine-year-old and a four-year-old. Nine-year-old and a four-year-old. Okay. Teach me a way. So how was that gap? I feel like I, maybe I got a little bit lucky, um, because so my boy is, is nine and mm-hmm. my girl is, is four and they get along. Well, they play with each other. They'll have their little spats here and there, um, but but they're good friends, and so they keep each other. You know, they give each other company, and so from that perspective, it's been relatively easy. Uh, it hasn't been you know what I've seen with friends, where um, especially if it's two boys and two more kind of aggressively minded right. boys, right? right? And so my kids, my boy is more of a. He's just more of a gentle kind of kid. And then my girl is more rambunctious. And, um, but because Lennox is older, again, it, it just works, right? It, it, and, it works out. Yeah. That's yeah, kind of my and, hope. That's kind of my hope is, is Calvin. I mean, Calvin's certainly rambunctious. He's, he's nuts, but uh, he's also super, super caring and like heartfelt. Um, yeah. He gets that from his mom. And so I feel like, I feel like it'll work well, but who knows? I'm sure that uh, you'll make it work. One, even right. even even if even if they uh, are, are are have their kind of water and oil moments, all kids do. Yeah, a lot of fun. it. A lot of it has to do with the parents, and and you've already experienced it. And just you got to have patience and you know, hold your tongue sometimes. And... Yeah, I don't have any of that. That's why I told you I'm building a, a <laughs> uh, office structure outside of my outside of my house on our property. Uh, it's it's going to double as my reading room. It's going to be yeah. my escape reading room. I've always wanted one of those, like, I've always wanted those, one of those things where you pull a book on a bookshelf and like some hidden secret room goes down. I feel like this is going to be that. It's just going to be, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's a special code. Only daddy can go in there. <laughs> I, I'm I, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to put a little cabin on my property. Um, I'm like, like you uh, have some land and I'm, I'm building a house and it, uh, I'll have an, an office in the house, but particularly yeah. for reading and for writing. Although finally the kids are getting to school, they've been at home working with tutors because there's only one school in this area where we wanted to send them, and we, we were playing the waitlist game. Um, oh I'm, wow! Okay, I'm not I'm not rich, so I, I was on the waitlist. Yeah, you're and... not you're not Bill Gates's daughter. Um, <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. I, I figure I figure you know what's the threshold. If I were worth probably a hundred million or more, then my kids would have gotten in right away. If it were if it were fifty million, it probably would have been like a few months of a wait list. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but having the kids at home, as you know, because you do a lot of similar kind of work as as I do, 
it, it it grates on you because it, it it's hard to to focus and to follow lines of thought. Yeah, you know, I, I down. can't work at home. It's I just, leave the home. Just, yep, I leave the home. I wherever we go, I, I rent an office. You know, when we live abroad because we live abroad four to six months out of the year every year. Uh, when when we are going to places that we don't know as well, I actually set. I I look for an office space or a co-work space or something like yeah. that. And I set that as the pin in Airbnb. Yeah. And I make sure that wherever we stay is within walking distance to it. And with the with the second kid, are you still going to do the half of the year for six months abroad? Yeah, I don't know. We'll do it next yeah. year for sure. We're going to go back to yeah. Mexico. We go to a town called Sayulita. We've been in the last four years. We can do that again next year for sure. Cool. Uh, cool. Beyond that, I'm not sure. I mean, Kelvin's in JK now. He'll be in Sanduka and Dakota next year. Once he gets to grade one, not sure. Um, I don't know, man. Every year that I've done, I've done it for nine years now. Every year that I've done it, I'm like, eh, we'll try one more year. We'll see what happens. Like, and it's just <laughs> kind of, it's like, it was never a plan. It was never, like, like I started doing this in 2013. It, like digital nomadery was not a word, was not a thing. It just yeah. wasn't cool. There wasn't stuff set up for it. Certainly it definitely wasn't something that people like set out to try to do. It was just like, well, shit, I could do this. Nobody else is doing, I guess I could, do- I don't see why I couldn't do this. Yeah. All right. And the next year was like, hey, baby, you want to go again? She's like, I guess. All right. When do you want to leave? Like that was it. <laughs> I mean, every year. Uh, so it, I feel like it'll just be that thing. I mean, we've had, we've had nannies. Like when we toured around Europe, uh, we brought a nanny with us. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we were talking about Jackson, like our, our nanny in Mexico is actually from Jackson Hole. Oh, cool. uh, and so teaches wake skiing there in the summer and then spends the winters in Mexico in Sayulita. And nannies for us, and then goes back and teaches wake skiing. Like it works really well for her. So, um, so we nannies, and and they're generally educators as well, and stuff like that. But I, I don't know, man. We'll figure it out. I like it. I like it. Unconventional. It's always uh, yeah. fun to hear. Fun Something to hear. Like yeah, yeah. People who who uh, are willing to make different choices. Um, but let's let's segue to what we want to talk about because I don't. I know you have a, a hard stop here at the in, in a bit, and cool. that is how to find a good trainer and and from the perspective of somebody who wants to hire a trainer somebody mm-hmm. and to give you a specific person so uh, a lot of my listeners are let's say in the age range of 25 to 45 and okay. they're more kind of everyday normal people in the, in the sense of that fitness is important to them but they have three to five hours a week to give to it right. and they want to look good they want to feel good but they're not going to be neurotically obsessed with you know tracking every calorie or uh tracking their their nine caliper sites or right. you know they they, they want to they want they i wouldn't say that, that they are unambe- unambitious in their fitness but they have a lot of other things going on and sure. they realize that uh, there's that you know, fitness is not everything. Like everything is harder if you're not fit, but it's not everything, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so, so I would say that's probably the 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 lens to view this through. And okay. so, uh, yeah, what does that look like? What does that process look like for winnowing out uh, a coach or a trainer worth hiring? I think the most important thing, first off, to note is that it's changed a lot, particularly in the last couple of years. In that it used to be, if you wanted a trainer, you basically had a choice between people who happened to work at the gyms 20 minutes from your house. Well, now you can choose anybody, which gives you a kind of paradox of choice. It's it's different. It's like, it's better because now you can find the right person for you in every single way. Theoretically. Theoretically. 
Yeah. If if you know what to look for. But exactly. It's, so it's it's better in that way, but it's also more difficult in that there's a pretty serious paradox of choice. Like whereas before you just walk into the gym, you have the, you know, 18 year old sales whoever gets assigned to you really right and then you just get whoever gets assigned to you and if you have good luck great if you have shit luck too bad like you know and there's there's kind of something to that in a weird sense because in in fitness particularly for people who are untrained and who don't have aspirations to stand on podiums stand up on stages in little banana hammocks or whatever you know there there are there are a lot of people and a lot of things that they could do to get good enough results for them. And at the beginning, what actually matters is that you kind of just move any way that doesn't hurt. And then as you start to do that and start to build up habits with that, well, then you start figuring out better ways to do it. You maybe start um, associating or, 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 or believing in yourself as the type of person who does a thing which was really cool. You know, when my, when my clients started showing up at the gym with their own shaker bottle and protein powder, I was like, I yell you in because now you actually have self-selected yourself. You, you, you are presenting yourself as somebody who is into fitness, which is really cool. But until you get to that point, I think it's just important to find what's comfortable to you. And the way to do that is to find somebody who you connect with on a deeper level than fitness. And this is the part that I want to illustrate here. I'd actually be really interested to hear your opinion on this, Mike, because I actually don't think that the fitness part of it really matters all that much at the beginning. Yeah, sure, find somebody who's not terrible at what they do, but the reality of it is uh, most workouts are going to get you good enough results if you're a beginner. And then as long as you try a bunch of different things, you can figure out what you want to do later. And so look for somebody who you connect with on a deeper level beyond fitness or that you believe has some sort of different nuanced understanding of you. I'll give you an example. The trainer that I work with, because I think all trainers should have trainers too. The trainer that I'm working with right now, his name is Brian Cron. He's great. Been in the industry for a lot of years. The reason why I decided to work with him is that he specializes in working with dudes who want to look good, who don't particularly care how they perform. You know, like they're not competing in anything. They just want to look good in a bathing suit with their shirt off, who have been lifting for more or less their whole adult life, who are over the age of 40 and don't want to hurt themselves. Okay, I'm not 40 yet, but I don't know. I, I don't know how old you are, Mike, but like I, I, I'm starting to feel We're probably about the same. I'm 37. Yeah, so I'm 36. Yeah. So like I'm starting to feel yeah. it. And I feel like I feel like everybody under the age of 40 could benefit from maybe lifting like they were over 40 sometimes <laughs> a little bit like, ahead of the curve yeah like like nobody nobody over the age of 40 ever regretted stretching too much or <laughs> doing too much soft yeah, or, or or leaving that extra rep in the tank on that deadlift or on that squat or bench press right. Yeah, like I did the I did Jeremy Scott. If you know him, I did his podcast when I was out in Arizona, and uh, and 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 I said that I'm like I can afford to not be the most ripped, strongest guy, but I can't afford to get hurt, and so I don't push it as much as I otherwise would, because it gets to a point where the benefits of going a little bit harder, of pushing a little bit harder, don't outweigh the potential repercussions. Anyway, 
that's that's neither here nor there. In fact, so, it becomes completely lopsided. I know we don't have to get off on on that tangent, but it is a good point, uh, especially when you, whether it's a guy or a girl, when when you've gained right. most of the muscle or strength that's genetically available to you. Let's say there's still a bit left, but you know you're at the point where if you're a guy, you're looking at one to two pounds maybe of muscle gain per year, and you have to bust your ass for that. And for for women, it's about half of that, and you have to bust your ass for that. And um, and, and you look at the amount of volume and the intensity that it requires just to gain those couple of pounds of muscle. And lifestyle habits that you may yep. or may not be willing to do. Like, I don't want to measure my food. Yep. I just, yeah. I know that I could look better if I wanted to do that. Um, I want to stay up a little bit later with my wife sometimes and not get as much sleep sometimes. Mm -hmm. And like, you can't do that if you're trying to maximize it. So, uh, so uh, to go back to your question, um, when you say connect on a deeper level, what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean, cause you gave the, you gave the example of the guy you're working with. Is that what you mean? Just somebody, cause, cause you have that connecting on a deeper level yeah. or somebody who more fits your circumstances and somebody, it could be either, right? It could be either. You mean just like, I just, where you find someone you're like, I just like this person. I like their perspective. I like. We have something weird in common. Yeah. We got a we got a student of our online trainer academy. His name's Alex Pfeiffer. His thing is barbells and brews. He loves craft beer. He makes craft beer. He has a whole community around craft beer. And so his whole thing is dudes who are into craft beer who want to look good and lift weights and still be able to drink craft beer. Connecting, I mean, if you're really into that world. He might be a good guy to work with for no other reason than A, he kind of understands that, you know, he's not going to give you a diet that doesn't include beer, for example, because he knows that's important to you because it's important to him. He's clearly, he, he looks good, you know, he's, he's, he's a fit dude. So he clearly understands what it takes to look good and still enjoy your beer. And you can talk to him about stuff other than that. I mean, I used to, I was a 21-year-old personal trainer fresh out of university, studied kinesiology, but fresh out of university. My clients were, you know, the associate dean of medicine at the University of Toronto, the, the, the chief of psychiatry at one of the biggest hospitals, real estate magnet, a construction magnet in, in locally in Toronto. I had to connect with them on a deeper level than just fitness. Yeah. And so I got a newspaper delivered to my house every morning and I read the headlines so that I could say, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? I, I like reading books. I mean, it wasn't fabricated, but I like reading books. I, I like reading a whole wide variety of books. And so I started just leaving the book that I was reading on my desk. So then they'd see it. And so then I started connect with, connecting with my clients on books, on reading. I'd ask them questions about fatherhood. Uh, as, a, as a trainer, I think it's important to recognize that. But as a client, like it could be either. It could be you've got some aches and pains. You want to make sure you work with somebody who understands that. Could be you have some lifestyle preferences like or it could be just you've got weird interests and it's just kind of fun to have somebody who understands your uniqueness in a way that you can talk to them about something other than should you do six to eight reps or eight to ten reps you know At the end of the day fitness is reasonably simple like in terms of what you're actually told to do it's, it's executing it that's hard what are your thoughts on where to look for a trainer? So somebody is like, all right, that's it. I want some help. <laughs> do I 
start poking around on Instagram? Do I go to the gym and see who they assign me? Where do I go? I would first take stock of the type of support you think that you need. So are you the type of person who wants the accountability of somebody standing there beside you? If that's true, then you're going to want somebody locally, which means, yeah, find, find a place that's convenient to you. So I've got, a, I've, I've got a book that I want to write at some point. I mean, all the chapters are laid out, but, but basically it's like, okay, here's what actually matters in getting your fitness in check. And here's the order of importance. And number one is convenience because the reality of it is the, the, the capital B best workout, the importance of that pales in comparison to whether you're actually going to do it or not. And so take stock in the routines that you already have in your day. Can you figure out a way to work in the fitness into your existing routine? What's the most convenient way to do that? Instead of looking for the best trainer on Instagram, do you happen to have a gym that's outside your office that you could pop down to for half an hour over lunch? If you do, that might be whoever the heck works there might be the best person in the world for you for no reason other than it's convenient. Do you think it would be worth looking into other people in the area? Uh, like social, social media? So, so, so yeah, sure. You could, um, you could just work with somebody at the gym or there, there could be a trainer who lives in the area who can meet you at the gym. Maybe. You know? Yeah, maybe. Depends what the rules and stuff of the gym are. Most True. gyms have rules pretty strictly against that. Condos, maybe you could bring somebody in. Um, uh, the, the question would be, you know, how do you really find them? Or maybe their home gym, so to speak, yeah. is five minutes that way or 10 minutes that way. Or right. Day. So so that's the case. I mean, despite my best efforts for the last decade, the reality of it is most trainers in this world are pretty shit at marketing. So you might not even be able to find them if you wanted to. I mean, sure, ask around if anybody has results, but look at what's already there. Figure out what works with your routine. Now, if you if you are the type of person who wants somebody there with you, or you might be the type of person who really likes more of a community type feel. So I like that every once in a while. I go to an F45. I mean, my routine right now is three to four days a week in the gym with, with a program for my trainer who trains me remotely. And then one to two days a week at an F45. And I just like, I just, I just like the atmosphere in the F45. I think the programming is pretty asinine sometimes, but I don't really care. You know, it gets me moving. It's cardio. It's a different type of training than I do. I know enough. It's, it's to exercise more than training, but that's fine. sure. It is. It 100 is. But it's 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 still fun, right? And so I do 30 minutes of cardio every day, but it's just exercise. Like I don't have a program I'm following. I'm not tracking my wattage. I'm not trying to. I'm just. Yep maybe trying to increase the resistance, like keep the speed and the duration kind of the same. And if I can increase the resistance a little bit over time, you know, mm -hmm. getting a little bit fitter, or maybe I can pedal a little bit faster at a certain resistance, that's maybe. fine. <laughs> that's fine. Maybe, but you're not measuring it. Correct. Yeah. You're, you're not actively measuring it and trying to progress it. Uh, or there's, I mean, there's, there's also, if you like that atmosphere and you want to think progressive, there might be a great small group training atmosphere or 
you might be the type of person who's like, just tell me what to do and get out of my way. Because I, I train like that. I don't, I would never want a trainer to be with me by my side. Ever. Sure. Be with me to make sure I do something right if I need that. But I don't want you there. I mean, to me, my training is, is meditative. I also don't want to think about what I do in the gym. I could build my own workouts, but I don't want to think about it. So for me, the perfect situation is, okay, well, I want somebody who I feel really knows me and understands me, who can write me a program so I know exactly what to do every time I go in the gym and I never have to think about it. And then basically give me a virtual high five afterwards and say, yo, I saw that you did that good job or, and be there if I have any questions or whatever it is. So, so the second part of it is what type of person are you and what type of support do you want? Because if you're the first where you want somebody with you, then it's, you're limited to location. If you're the type of person who just wants, you know, wants to do it yourself, but have the guidance, then it becomes really important. Or val- I wouldn't say important, but then it becomes more valuable to try to find somebody who perhaps can connect with you and maybe has walked in your shoes. Somebody who's been through the transformation that you're going through, somebody who has dealt with extenuating life circumstances that you've dealt with. And so how would you find them? Well, I mean, be resourceful, like Google, Instagram, look for, I mean, you could probably find articles on how to drink beer and still have a six pack. Track it back to the authors who write it. See if you connect with the rest of their stuff. If they do, I'm willing to bet that they'd be happy if you paid them a couple hundred bucks a month to train them. What about qualifications, certifications? Yeah, they're all nonsense. I don't know. What's your opinion? Elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, geez. How much trouble am I going to get myself in? Uh, certification in the fitness industry is complete and utter garbage. It, it, it's just, it's, it, there's no regulation by anybody. Um, the only scope of practice is a scope of practice passed down by a private organization that's run by other venture capital or private equity. That's primary responsibility is primary fiduciary responsibility is to their investors. And so um, they they sell trainers what makes them the most amount of money, not what the trainers actually need. And so as a result, they're not actually preparing trainers for the realities of the job. And individual operations like myself have had to come in and basically build independent education companies as accessories. Um, I've said time and time again, my company should not have to exist. There's not much more to it than that. But, I've had many trainers reach out, reach out to me over the years and say, hey, I learned more in your books and articles and podcasts mm-hmm. than uh, you know any, any of the certification work I did. I read, um, I'm sure you know, Brad Schoenfeld uh, sent me his most recent book. Oh, geez, I should remember the name. Uh, his most recent book about about muscle. I mean, he's Brad's like the the hypertrophy, you know, PhD. He's, he's brilliant. Um, and he sent me his newest book. And I'm looking through this. I'm like, this is an entire college curriculum in weight training in this one book. And and it's crazy to me 
that people are signing up for all these certifications with these companies. It's like, okay, well, this book costs $27 <laughs> on Amazon. The first 30 pages is the leading researcher in this subject telling you all about the physiology of, of muscle and how muscles grow. And then he's talking to you about different periodization principles and the realities of using them and what's good and what's not good and how to use them. Then he has full workout plans based off of that. Every single exercise has pictured demonstrations with all of the guidance. And like you just like I used to take these things and take pictures of them and send them to clients. Like those are, I mean, people are buying like exercise video libraries. Like, no, buy a book on Amazon for $27. It's it's crazy to me how much education is there is out there actually in general consumer books. And so uh, to, to answer your question about what certifications, qualifications to look for, if somebody just has a basic personal trainer certification from any of the, the big registering bodies in the United States, NASM, ACE, ISSA, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily bad, but it certainly doesn't mean that they know anything. There are a number of additional education qualifications, like certification does not equal qualification. There are a number of additional qualifications that show that if the trainer's done them, they kind of show that the trainer is the type of person that goes out of his or her way to gain additional knowledge. Like I could walk into a gym and I look at, you know, the wall of trainers and they've got, you know, 10 pictures of faces and whatever. And, and they have their qualifications. And inevitably, there's one person on the wall. You know, every single person is like CPT, 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 CPT. And then one person has all of the other ones, right? Has all of the, the they've done nutrition and post rehab and, and all of these other things. And inevitably, every single time I go into the gym, that's the trainer who's busy. And I never see the other people. Like they're just, they're just never there. Um, and so there's a there, there's certainly varying degrees of seriousness yeah. that exist um, that you could pick out pretty quickly based off of how much it looks like somebody has continued to invest in their development beyond their initial certification. But initial certification, unfortunately, in in the fitness industry means so little. It's laughable. And I can tell you from, I mean, I run, I put together the first ever certification for online fitness. I wrote the textbook on it. And our, uh, when, when COVID hit, I had deep conversations with all of these companies worldwide, not just in the United States to license it. We ended up licensing it to ACE and I like ACE. Um, I, I think out of all the companies, they're, they're the best one. They're also a not-for-profit, which I like. Um, but God, man, these people don't give a shit. <laughs> they just want to make as much money as possible, despite all of the nice things that they say. Remember, you're speaking to somebody who who owns a sports nutrition company. So, <laughs> well, so if it's I, the same thing, right? Despite I, I could probably of, see that and raise you. Um. <laughs> it's it, and and all of them have these, you know, beautifully pithy mission statements. And I don't know if you saw it. So yeah, I think it was yesterday was like national women's day or international women's day. <laughs> yeah. And there was a Twitter account that I loved it. That was, um, 
I think it was at gender pay gap. And I don't know how this person did this, but it was supposedly a bot that whenever a company tweeted some sort of support for International Women's Day, the bot would retweet it and respond with how much less the women at that organization make than the men. <laughs> that's, that's clever. That's so clever. It was like, it was like we support women. And Although there is women. controversy, like, not to go like, off on a tangent, but there is controversy <laughs> over when you look at that data and then you control for time yes. worked and time off and so forth. But but that's clever. We did. That is, that is we, bu- we built a calculator at our company, and um, and and when when we built it, it was actually very hard to control because you know our company was a small organization at that point. We had 25, 30 people working for us and. Um, and, uh, and so it was a small company and there was very rarely two people doing the same job. And so you can't compare one job to the next. So then you're looking at industry averages for roles. Well, a lot of the roles are loosely defined because it's a small business. A lot of people are wearing multiple hats. It's actually really, really hard to do. Um, but yeah, we did. And Especially then you've got to control for where on, they live too with remote yeah, work. True. Somebody true. in San Francisco or like in Toronto, you basically can't pay somebody less than $75,000 a year. Like you just, you just can't, doesn't matter what they do (laughs) below the, they're below the poverty line. If you do, whereas if I were to hire somebody in Saskatchewan, you know, Midwestern Canada, $75,000 is a pretty healthy living. Um, where they're at. So it's very hard to do. But anyway, this this Twitter account was funny because it was, yeah. you know, this, this company's coming out with this like beautiful statement from some PO app or something, right? And they're like, and this thing just retweets. It's like, women at this organization make 34% less than men. <laughs> but it's the so same that's, shit. That's, like, the, that's the art of, of publicity and propaganda. Oh my God. But you can't do that anymore, which is the best thing because there's companies like yours who come out and you're like, hey, let's call out all of this nonsense in the supplement industry. There's companies like mine where I'm like, I hate that my company has to exist. Like legitimately, I hate that it has to exist. But nobody else is doing. I mean, I had the I had the VP of marketing um, at at one of the major certifying bodies literally say to me to my face, the people who come through our organization are generally a little bit dumber and they haven't completed college. And so um, we target them by building cheaper, easier to complete certifications that we put on sale all the time. Marketing. <laughs> Marketing mastery. That's the that's that's the market. Yeah. Yeah. It's just right. a very it's a very it's a very mercenary approach to business. It's yeah. where you lose lose sight of uh, are we supposed to be ultimately helping anybody? here or are we are we just trying to yeah make make a pretty pnl it gets well it there have been a number of people that i've known over the years that because i've seen this happen now in a decade of being in this business i mean 17 years in the fitness industry but in a decade of being in the online fitness industry now i've seen a lot of people a lot of people i know well some some very good friends that have gone on to become pretty big successes and sell their business. And then I've seen what's happened to their business afterwards. And not every case, but in a lot of cases where the person who built their business is like you, Mike, just like genuinely really good person who's super smart, who worked their butt off, who built something great, you know, caught some lucky breaks, but also like 
did a lot of really good things, built something great for all the right reasons. And, and what they measured often, their KPIs were very customer centric. And then they sold a controlling interest or the entire company to a private equity or to an investment fund or venture capital or whatever. And all of a sudden now, everything that's measured is financially driven and just everything changes. And, and, and their, their statements, their mission statements and everything are the same. But, um, but, but how they operate seems to really change. Doesn't have to happen, I don't think, but that's what happens. It doesn't. Often. It doesn't have to. You know, I, I would say that your the people you're thinking of, they bear some responsibility as well. Because you know, I've spoken with um, a number of people in the PE world. I'm not, I'm not looking to sell Legion. Say, but do you? Did you sell? Do you own 100 percent of of what you do? Do you have investors? Yeah. No, I have no investors, so it's just me, hundred percent. Oh, cool. And uh, I've I've spoken over the last probably six to twelve months. I've spoken with with a fair amount of uh, people, not because I'm looking to sell the business, but I would be interested in uh, a growth partner, yep. someone who could provide not just capital. I can get money if I just need money, but really, ideally, it would be a more there would be some strategic synergy there. They would have they would have expertise or connections in. To take retail. I, I'm still 100% e-commerce. That's a mistake. Uh, my international distribution is nowhere. That's a mistake. There are there. Are, I can only build the business. Um, well, I'm doing my best, but it can be done well, a lot better. It's a mistake, but because you focused on those things, you've been you got to the point where you're bursting at the seams. It's if you, true. It's, if you try to there, do there all are, the stuff, there are certainly consolation you know. prizes, but you know I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> you have to put it that way, man. You've done it. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. I've seen. I've seen now. Um, I've seen some very professional business builders operate. Mm -hmm. I'll just put it that way. And yep. and and seen. I've seen now what what can be done mm -hmm. if you come into something with the right team, the right amount of money, uh, and the right plan. You put those things together, and yeah, a little bit of luck, as you mentioned, timing, of course, plays into it. But um, you you can you can build a pretty big business pretty quickly. It gives you space to move. Like a, you liquidate a little bit and get some cash, but also you know it gives you some space to move. Like I think about, I mean, your your business is bigger than mine, but I think about, you know, we've got a lot of cash in the bank. I'm fine. Business is generating enough, but we can't take a lot of big risks. And uh, and I don't want to right now, which is which is fine. But if I wanted to, we wouldn't be able to do it. And so it's like, okay, well, is this a bet that we can put two million bucks at and be perfectly okay if it misses? Well, it's hard to do that if you're generating ten million a year or twenty million a year, and your your EBITDA is four, let's say. Um, it, it's it's hard to do that. You might be able to justify it, but it's hard. It's a lot easier to do that if you've got a fifty billion dollar hedge fund behind you or investment fund behind you, and you have people who <laughs> right? have input in the two million dollar plan. They like it. You have people who are going to execute. Yeah. You know, it's all lined up. Yeah, yeah. So there's, I I, I agree. There's a lot of advantages there. Um, I actually really like, I mean, this is off on a tangent of how to buy a trainer or how to fight a trainer, but I actually really love like half a million to $2 million businesses. 
I think the next stage of my career is basically just stacking those because because I think, and I mean, I've done it a few times now, I think that you can build these days with a strong personal brand, multiple half a million to $2 million businesses yes, at a 60 yeah. to 70% profit margin with like basically no staff. It depends know. on what you're selling um, as far as oh, yeah, you got to pick, go, you gotta but, pick yeah. the right business model. That's, that's yeah. the key. Um, like but, in supplements, you can't have 60% gross margins and yeah. that, and great products. You can have shitty products and 60% gross but margins. Books and mentorship yeah. and digital yeah. learning and software yes. you can. Yep. 100%. So what do you think I'm doing? So, you know, with, with basically a chief of staff, like I like owe the majority of my staff. Um, and, uh, but once you get above that, things start to break. Maybe not with software. Depends. But once you get above that, things start to break, right? And uh, and so I just I I don't know. I'm really excited about call them micro businesses, but like you have three or four, you know, million one and a half million dollar businesses <laughs> working for you. Yeah, um, that are that are a, highly profitable. That are highly profitable. That are yeah. super super that, that, low. And that don't just stress make and you exactly. <laughs> oh God! You, I mean, but, your inventory but, and everything is. And it's. I mean, you're big enough now that you can have people to manage it. But the growth of that before you were as big as you are now, I can only imagine. I mean, you're having to stock for six months from now and put out cash for six months from now, right? Yeah, and I, and I can uh, I can give credit to. The people along the way who have managed that like i personally i was not involved in inventory um for long for maybe the first year or so and okay. um and then and then from there it, it was it was different people and now i have somebody who is a real pro at it he he came from a very big sports nutrition company running their global um supply chain and logistics and oh wow his, his, how his many SKUs do you have um I actually don't even know. That's something I should know, but uh, I don't. So there, I'm going to guess, um, let's see, there's probably 15 to, let's say 15 different products, um, 60 to 80. I'm, I'm just kind of throwing a number out there. Yeah, that's quite a bit. So yeah. why did you decide to go that route as opposed to a, because I, I, I would guess, and tell me if I'm wrong, I would guess that there's a disproportionate amount of sales per product, right? Oh, yeah. Like some Absolutely. products really outsell 80, 80, 20. I mean, 80, 20, right? 20% of the SKUs generate 80% of the revenue. So why do you, why do you have the other ones? Because why do you decide to do that model versus, versus focusing versus like the athletic greens model, for example, yep. right? Yep. Where they, they have one thing, they package it two different ways and they've got hundreds of thousands of people that get it on auto ship every month. I like I like the the athletic greens model if you have a product that warrants it. Uh, okay. I don't like how athletic greens promotes their product. At least last time I looked at their marketing, a lot of it is dishonest. Uh, they're they're selling a it's a it's a greens it's a it's a fruit and vegetable powder with like mm -hmm. some probiotics and other junk. And if and some I some stimulants, this, which I was surprised at. Uh, that I didn't even. I haven't looked at their stuff. Well, in it's a bit. Got, so, not like not like stimulants, but like some herbal kind of stimulant stuff. Um, which which probably just means caffeine. I mean, no, sure, it's you not can... caffeine. No, 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 it's not caffeine. Okay. Um, okay. I can't remember. Because sometimes, you know, there are herbs and it, it really is just caffeine, but it's it's a natural uh, oh, I see. kind of caffeine. So let me see. Um, 
but but so while you're looking at that, I'll just say that if you're just going to sell one product, then I think it needs to be one really outstanding product to, to mm-hmm. carry a brand. And Athletic Greens has done a good job on the marketing front. They obviously have smart marketers. Uh, but again, the last time I looked at their product, how it was being sold is uh, basically a replacement for eating vegetables, for eating mm, well. Right. Even if the, even if that wasn't explicitly stated, that was clearly the pitch. Like, look at all the servings of vegetables in this vegetable powder, and it has all these other things too. And uh, And again, the implication is you don't need, if you, you don't, you don't like eating vegetables here, just drink this powder every day. And, and I know that that's why a lot of people buy vegetable powders, fruit and vegetable powders, because they don't want to eat fruits and vegetables. And I fundamentally disagree with that. Uh, my greens supplement, it, it has no fruits and vegetables in it. It's only green because it has spirulina, but yeah. it has reishi mushroom. It has maca. It has other things. It's, it's not your traditional greens supplement. And so um, I can appreciate what athletic greens has done from a business standpoint and a marketing standpoint, but I think it's, it's a dishonest, I think it's fundamentally a dishonest business. And so- Yeah, like um, they've got green tea extract. They've got ashwagandha. So those are fine. Those are fine ingredients. I mean, oh, there's uh, nothing wrong with them. Again, it was it, it, it has been some time since I looked at their pitch, but it very much at the time I looked revolved around all of the servings of vegetables, quote unquote, that are in oh, this powder, right? And and it is not true that at least we can say that that there's good evidence to the to the contrary that you can instead of eating fruits and vegetables, just drink powders and get all of the same benefits that you will be totally fine in terms of hitting your nutritional Yeah, that's needs. still their pitch. Yeah, of their, course their it website is, because that's, says, why pe- that's why people buy them. Yeah, their website says, welcome to foundational nutrition. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, is their big headline. And then it's, mm-hmm. you're going to need a smaller cabinet. I don't even know what cabinet. that means, actually. That's an odd. Yeah, they say you're going to need a smaller cabinet, comprehensive okay. nutrition, every AG, they're AG1 now. Every AG1 scoop is like nine health products in one, giving you the equivalent of multivitamin, minerals, probiotics, and more. So basically, it's it's a replacement for everything. Um, that, but, but they that, have, that but they I have don't one mind. product, right? That I, do, that I actually don't mind. I, I think that if you're pitching your greens, again, I haven't looked at their stuff recently, but if you're pitching your greens as a replacement for a multivitamin, mm. and I do think that a multivitamin, a well-formulated multivitamin is justifiable to sell and to take even if you eat well especially in when you have certain nutrients that it's actually hard to get enough of take vitamin d take k1 k2 and then if it's a good multivitamin it can have other stuff like ashwagandha and other ingredients um that you're not going to get in your diet i think that's totally fine so so maybe maybe athletic greens has pivoted a little bit uh, in their in their messaging, in which case, um, what I said might not apply to them currently. But I certainly have seen in the past where, um, really the 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 theme of the marketing that I was seeing it was more about how there are so many servings of vegetables in oh, just just one or two scoops. And again, it, the pitch was basically like you don't need to eat all the vegetables; you can just drink our powder. Mm. Um, and and but a single a single product approach certainly can work. Uh, but um, you 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 better have a really good single product, and it better be very profitable. Because to answer the question that you asked me where the the SKUs, the products that make the most money for me are protein powder and pre-workout. Those right. are also the products that uh, get me the most new customers, right? And okay. so 
my my product my company margins are quite a bit lower than a lot of my competitors they should be better we were working on getting them better than covid hit and now they're kind of stuck so my gross margins right now are 39% or so that's not very good like yeah, anybody that's who tough understands to grow a business on correct and well uh, grow it that's that's direct in, to consumer in, that's that's e-commerce correct um, yeah and yeah. but 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 my my marketing spend is 15% of revenue yeah. Right. So, so there, you know, we've, I've been able to do it because of that, because I do not <laughs> need to spend as much money as a lot of my competitors, but regardless, just from, you know, business finance, one one business health, one one that gross margin to be respectable, it should be in the mid to high forties. And yeah. that, that can be done as Legion continues to grow. And, and if some costs of things come down, like creatine is out the roof, whey protein is out the roof. Um, even a couple of ingredients in pulse are out the roof. And what I'm hearing is assuming the world doesn't end, uh, that prices are going to come down. They're not going to come down to pre COVID levels. Mm -hmm. Everything is just more expensive now, period. It's not, that's not changing, but they are going to come down from where they're at now. So um, are you saying some of the, some of the back catalog stuff then that maybe doesn't correct. sell as much is more profitable? It's more profitable, even though, even I though see. I still spend a lot more, take my multivitamin. Normally multivitamins are, that's a profit center for a lot of sports nutrition companies. Oh, is it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, your your average sports nutrition company, they'll spend five to six dollars a bottle producing a multivitamin. What? And absolutely. One hundred percent. Yep. Okay. And, and like if you're generous, you're going to spend maybe seven or eight. Right. And then you're going to sell that for um, a, a, if you're spending four dollars a bottle, maybe you'll sell it for twenty twenty five. Maybe you, if it's a dollar or two more, you might go up to thirty, thirty five, maybe even forty. Right. Uh, my multivitamin costs me close to thirteen, thirteen to fourteen dollars a bottle to produce. And so the margin is better there, but it's it's um it's not as profitable as multivitamins generally are. And that's true of all of my products. And it's just because the ingredients are high quality or what? Yeah, higher in quality ingredients, more ingredients, larger doses, and, and all natural thing. ingredients. It costs me, it costs me three to four dollars a bottle to flavor some of my powders. If I were to switch to artificial ingredients, 50 cents. And, and when because you're using natural flavoring versus yep, like just yep, sucralose or whatever. Exactly. And yeah. and and so you know, I pay, I pay a premium for, for, but, but we're now what we're talking about though, is this is, this is really Legion's, uh, this is its value proposition. This is, sure. is its unique selling proposition, right? Um, do you think that stuff really, I mean, maybe I'll ask you this not being recorded. Do you think all that stuff really matters? Like, do you think it's really a problem flavoring a protein powder, let's say with sucralose? Uh, so, I mean, I so, get it as a sales proposition. It's a fantastic sales prop. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, if we're talking about artificial flavoring, and I actually don't even comment on it on Legion's website, I don't think there's any there's any issue uh, with artificial flavoring. Now, artificial sweeteners and food dyes. If we're talking about one or two servings a day, certainly no problems. I'm not mm -hmm. a, I'm not an alarmist about about any of these chemicals. Um, however, I know uh, from from doing this for a bit. And, and I was one of these consumers before I had this company that many fitness people are, they're going to have anywhere from two to four 
servings of protein per day. Right. Uh, there's going to be a pre-workout in there. There's going to be a post-workout in there. There might be an energy drink or two in there. There might be a green supplement or some other powder intra-workout in there, maybe mm -hmm. some BCAAs, right? And so it's it's easy for, for a fitness person to get to eight to 10 plus servings of those chemicals per right. day, every day forever. And right. um, and when I started Legion, the the research wasn't. I wouldn't say it's robust right now. It, there's more research to suggest that that doing that might not be the best for your gut health, and that can impact your overall health in many different ways. Um, and when I started Legion, it was less. There was less evidence to support that. But I first and foremost, I was kind of scratching my own itch, and I care about my health, and if if I can possibly avoid uh, what it wouldn't be a catastrophic problem, but if I can possibly avoid, let's say, meaningful negative effects, health effects by using all natural products, that's what I would do personally. And and so um, as as research uh, in, in on the the microbiome and gut health has progressed, I know there's still controversy even over what. I just said, but I will say that there is more evidence now for for that, and there are more experts who would agree with me. Mm -hmm. um, and and so that that's why I chose to do it, and why I've stuck with it. And and then there's the marketing side of it, where if you poke around on my website, I, I explain it more or less as I just explained to you. I don't make any extreme claims about. I mean, I explicitly say that these chemicals are are not. Uh, as dangerous as as many people would have you believe i'm not an alarmist mm -hmm. but there is evidence that having a lot of these things every day more or less forever might not be great for your health and so that's why i stick with natural stuff so and that's it. it well it's also knowing your audience i mean you you're you're selling to people who are definitely more health conscious more health conscious very active i mean the idea like if uh, i mean i maybe have a scoop of protein powder once every 3 days Right. So of course it doesn't matter. You so use whatever you like. Yeah. Um, but, but if, but if you were a person who was, was taking several supplements several right. times a day, every day. Yeah. So it's, it, it's just that this world is very interesting to me. You know what it's, it's interesting to me because it seems like there's some disconnect between what you should do when you see other people doing and not realizing that they're different people than you. And, and there's no one way. Uh, you know, for the right type of person, what what you're doing is brilliant. And there's a lot of people like that. But is it actually that important for your average Joe or Jane to have no, stuff not, that's why supplements supplements are are supplementary by definition. I mean, I yeah. say right on the homepage, you don't need any of my stuff actually to build right. muscle, to lose fat, to get healthy. And that's true. You could say, oh, that's good marketing. You're just being clever because if you admit a fault, then people instinctively trust you. Sure, I, I know that, uh, but it's also true. It is true that, and there aren't many supplement companies who will just explicitly tell you, like you actually don't need to buy any of our stuff. It's all just optional. Uh, if you have the inclination and you have the budget, there are some things you might want to consider and that's why we exist. And that's also one of the reasons why I've focused so much on educate, uh, education, of course, in my own work, but also with Legion. I mean, over at Legion, we have now close to 5,000 articles and podcasts over on the website. Uh, we have a coaching service. We've worked with thousands of people. People, 
mean, we get hundreds of chats a day of people just asking us questions, uh, diet questions, exercise questions, that little chat that, that you see on the website, that's, that's mostly how, how it gets, uh, how it gets used. And, um, the, the people who, who man it up are all certified personal trainers for what it's worth. And, and they are on our team internal. We don't outsource that. They spend a lot of time just helping people, just answering their questions because, I, I see supplements as kind of the, if you, to use like the meat in the medicine analogy, it's kind of the meat to get people to accept the medicine, which is that supplements can only uh, help a little bit in different ways. You, you really need to know how to eat, how to exercise. Um, you need to be living a healthy lifestyle to, to achieve your fitness goals. But some people are ready to hear that many people are not ready to hear that and they're looking for pills and powders and potions and so by bringing people in who are just looking for a fat burner so they can lose fat and then helping them understand that the fat burner isn't what what helps you lose fat it's the calorie deficit and it's eating enough protein so you retain your muscle and it's doing the right type of training and if you do all of those things and you want to include a fat burner, you have to be careful because a lot of them are just useless. The best fat burner the, is going to help you burn a little bit more energy. It's going to make you maybe a little bit less hungry. Uh, and if, if that's worth it to you, then, then buy it. If it's not worth it to you, then don't. But if you just do the other things, you're going to reach your goal. And so that that's also part of, of Legion's DNA, so to speak, and part of why I do it. I'm not a very Eh, it sounds people, I'm just not a very money motivated person. Like I like to make money as anybody else, but I don't get the thrill out of making money that some of my very rich friends do. Um, and you know, I can think of a couple of people who, if I had their money, I could just throw my money away and <laughs> they, they love building their business and making money. And they're not unethical, right. bad people that they have good businesses, good services. They just love it. They just love, you know, like, dude, you're worth $500 million. Like, what does it matter? Hey, if you're you, done. If you it's make like, another, it's like when you see, it's like when you see a fit person in the gym, it's like, what are you doing? Go home. You're done. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what do you, what do you need another? Why are you so excited over $10 million? Like I can hear it. It's so exciting. It's more exciting. You know, it could be his birthday and be like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. But, yeah. uh, you know, he just made $10 million. So excited about it. And, and I don't say that as a criticism at all. I'm just saying, I just, I'm not, I don't, I'm not that personality. I get more excited over writing a book than I do. Uh, I mean, $10 million would be cool, but you know, and uh, just, just so, so I do, because I do love the fact that your the know your bill of rights book is on the Legion page for sale. <laughs> you know what you're gonna like more than that? You know guess, guess. So that was my number one best selling book I last know. year. I remember you telling me that. Uh, yeah, okay, good. So yeah, it's that for for people, I mean I won't get into the, the origin <laughs> story because people have heard it, but um um my original interest, I, I was not planning on being a fitness guy, so to speak. Right. I was planning on, I would write in fitness. And if that went somewhere, sure, I'll write some more fitness stuff. I like fitness and I like what it can do for people, but I have other interests and I want to do other things too. And, um, and, and then the fitness stuff just did so well that I decided to pursue the opportunity. But I, I still am very much that person who um, would, a part of me would love to just 
go back to my original plan, which was I'd be writing fiction and writing a nonfiction that interests me and just, you know, pursuing, I guess, intellectual curiosities and maybe in my next life, if I, if I can, if I can make enough money, then I can justify it, I guess, because I don't know how much you, I think you've probably made enough money to do it now. I mean, I'm, I'm working on a fiction book. It's fun. That's exciting. It's something I do in my spare time. It's a parable on the fitness industry. It's ridiculous. It's funny. It's, 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 I mean, it's, it's just, it's fun, you know, like, I mean, it's fun for, for people and I'm guessing that you're just similar to I am in that, um, if you're a creative type of person, yeah, there, that's the only way to scratch that itch. It's not fiction per se, but doing creative work, everything else. If, if you get away from creative work for, for too long, it, uh, it, it just, it just kind of drains the, the life out of you. Um, at least that's, that's been yep. my experience. Like a, a lot of building a business and running a business is, um, you know, it just feels like kind of putting out fires, solving stupid problems. And I've been good enough at it to get as far as I, as I've gotten, but that doesn't give me the thrill that it gives some people. Some people are, are really good operators and they just love, they love the game of, of putting out the fires and, and solving the stupid problems and growing the business. I do not. I like some aspects of marketing and you probably do too, because it's creative because there, you go into something knowing that there is a way to hit a grand slam home run with this product or service, assuming that it's not completely terrible, right? Some, some products or services, there is no way, but in many cases, there is a way, I guess I could, I could take that back and say, well, then you'd have to go back to crafting the product or service, but there is a way to come up with a product or service and then market it in such a way that it, it, explodes and mm-hmm. uh and and you know there are the the total addressable market is is going to dictate how big that explosion is but um and and that to me is is fun it's fun to figure try to figure that out and and get into the psychology of it well this is what we're finding with our software i haven't even it's not even out yet nobody's seen it nobody's seen it it's hitting the need that's been unmet so deeply, which I, which I had hoped. I mean, we'd done all the other research I've advised or had been an advisor to basically every software company, you know, online training, software company, fitness, software company for the last decade. And, uh, and it's just like, like nobody's even seen it yet. <laughs> and like went to bed last night. Like it's not anywhere. We're not $0 in paid advertising. Like went to bed last night, woke up this morning. There's 70 new people on the wait list. Like it's just like people are talking about it because it's because it's needed because it just hit it right, right? Um, I think that's what's missing. You know, copy is not about uh, uh, marketing is not about like the best words and copywriting. It's about it's about figuring out what product needs to be there and why and dialing in on that. Yeah, I would say that um, on the product development side of things, Huge. it's everything. Yeah. I would I would agree. However, I, I would say though 
and this is this is this is not just me saying this. It's me just parroting smarter marketers that I've studied, <laughs> really. And and that is that. I mean, I do agree with with the idea that fundamentally marketing is messaging, and it fundamentally is perception. Mm-hmm. Value is 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 perceived or not, or it's perceived as low or or, or high. Um, but but to your point, I think you need to have a combination of those things, right? Uh, you need to have. It's um, it's not just the right idea, in my opinion. It's I think the right idea at the right time. Yeah. That timing point is huge, and that that that's where some of the quote the luck plays into it, right? Although you can engineer some of that, um, but you can have an idea that is fundamentally sound, and you can have a great team, and you can have a lot of funding. Um, but if it's just not the right time, it it it's not going to go. But if you have the right idea at the right time, poor team, underfunded, it's still going to go. <laughs> you're going to see, you're going to see mm-hmm. some fireworks and, and hopefully you can scramble to get the team and get the funding because it's, it can have big, big potential. Right. Um, but then in terms of how do you communicate and how do you sell? And cause a lot of products and services probably are, are that, that people come up with, um, maybe it's not a majority, but a lot of them are good enough. They are good enough to succeed, right? Um, take something like supplements. People could just copy and paste my formulations. Like I, they're, they're, everything is right there. It's fully transparent. Uh, there's, right. no, there are, there's no hidden proprietary information of any kind, right? Even all the research uh, that is behind the formulations is cited on sales pages. I mean, you're not seeing all the papers that were reviewed per se, you know, maybe 60 to 70 papers were reviewed in the creation of a product. And then you're going to get 30 citations or something because it's just not necessary to cite the other 30. Um, but um, so, so somebody could have products that are just as good as mine and yeah, they're gonna have to figure out the manufacturing and whatever, but from there, how do you, how do you win? Because just putting that stuff out there, I, I've seen quite a few companies, um, rip off some of my fam- uh, formulations and it's totally fine. I don't even, I don't take it personally. Uh, I, I don't care really. Sure. To come, come compete with me. Um, maybe, maybe you'll end up just growing the pie a little bit bigger for all of us. And some of your customers will end up c- trying my stuff because they just like me and my brand more than yours, whatever. Right. But just having, gro- having products that are objectively premium minimally in some cases, I think I could really say best in class is not enough. Right. So that's where I think this, this, um, element of marketing that revolves around perception and ultimately I do think it's messaging. I do think at least um, a lot of the, some of the best marketers that I've known personally, or maybe they're not outstanding copywriters in the sense of being able to write a long form, you know, nine page sales letter per se, but they are good at messaging. They, they, yeah. they are good 100%. At, at, yeah, at, at creating at communicating in a way that resonates with people and they, yep. and they are good at understanding people looking at the world through their eyes, meeting them where they are, persuading them and so forth. A lot of that is, is fundamentally salesmanship really. And so that's what I really like about marketing again, because you can never, there is no, there is no perfect sales letter. There is no absolute, it can always be better. There is no perfect PDP. There is always a better way. There is always something that if you can somehow stumble upon it 
it's going to increase your conversions by 10%. And, and in some cases, it might just be design rejiggering things. But once you get past the easy wins, and I've done a lot of CRO, uh, CRO work, so I've experienced this firsthand. When, when you get past the easy stuff, then a lot of it is understanding the psychology and hitting on something that is a hot button and then figuring out how to communicate that in a way that makes people say yes or or, or just pay attention. And that's a game to me. I like that. And um, so I, I would suspect that that you're similar and, and uh, that's why you like to write. That's why you, I, I like the content you share on social media. I, I like that it's, it's unique. And um, that's why you're writing a fiction book. I, I would, I'm making assumptions, but. Uh, no, I mean, you're right. There's a lot of things in this last year, particularly that I've just opted out of. And, uh, and I, I came to the realization that like, I have enough. And, um, and I opted out of a lot of the games and maybe I'll opt back in at some point. Hey there, if you are hearing this, you are still listening, which is awesome. Thank you. And if you are enjoying this podcast or if you just like my podcast in general and you are getting at least something out of it, would you mind sharing it with a friend or a loved one or a not so loved one even who might want to learn something new? Word of mouth helps really bigly in growing the show. So if you think of someone who might like this episode or another one, please do tell them about it. Is, is that, is that partly because did you feel like you were, uh, to use a, a school analogy, maybe getting by your own standards, regardless of what other people thought you were getting maybe maybe B's in, in five classes and you'd rather be getting A pluses in two or three? Maybe. Um, I was doing a lot. I mean, I have the entrepreneur syndrome where the minute that something becomes successful, I, I become disinterested in it. Hmm. And so you can see that with my career. Like I've written, like you, I've written 11 books. Why the hell would you write 11 books for personal trainers? <laughs> I've written like six books for a niche of a niche of a niche. Like, why the hell would you do that? Like, write one, have a product it leads to, bucket the shit out of that one and keep pumping that funnel for, for the longest time. And so I just can't not do it. I mean, I, the amount of things I've done in the last 10 years, I could list them off. You'd be like, holy crap, man. And some of it has been very successful. I'm just not interested in it. The minute that it becomes successful, I just want to do something else. And so the, the most successful things that I've done, to be honest, um, the reason why they've done really well and continue to do well is because I built it and then I stepped the hell away. And so all of my focus, my personal focus is on my own personal brand because it allows me to write, to be creative, to get eyeballs. That's what I'm good at. And, um, and I can spend six to eight months and I can build a business and then hand it off. And then go and build another one. Uh, but that's not the way to build a unicorn business, right? That's the way to build. Is it, is it necessary, though, to build a unicorn business? That depends what you want. That depends yeah. what you want. But that's what I mean. I mean, that's the game that I opted out of. That's what I was yep. talking to you about. You know, can, can you build a, a, a high six, a low seven figure business once a year, once every two years, basically, at infinity? Um, I've, I've, I've had to resist the temptation myself to, because I've 
I've wasted time and money on a workout app that it's just free and put a fair amount of time and money into it. And, and a lot of people like it. Some people don't. It wasn't necessary. It was, it was, I, 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 I should, was I should have people thought, had an app. So why wouldn't uh, I have an app? Right. It was just for fun. It was actually just for fun because I felt like doing it. But at, yeah. the, at the time, my, my time, maybe I put less of a premium on it. I maybe should have put more of a premium on it. Now I'm, I'm more careful about what I say yes to because uh, like, like you, I have more things going on and um, I, I've just learned what type of work I actually really like to do and what right. I don't like to do. And things are at a point now where I don't, I have a high pain tolerance, uh, probably like you, I can grind on shit more or less indefinitely. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just not a person who quits because it's hard or because I'm bored or I just don't want to do it anymore. It's just not me. Right. Um, but, but I think there is something to be said for um, exactly what you just said is, okay, if you reach a certain level of success, there's nothing wrong with delegating all the stuff you just don't like to do. And maybe, maybe that includes stuff that you're not that good at either. Um, or, or that you can find somebody who's better at it, maybe just minimally because they like it more than you. It's hard to be really good at something that you really don't like. It's just hard. Right. And, um, and then that allows you to, to focus on the stuff that you like to do. And, and, you don't necessarily have that, um, you don't have that luxury in the beginning. You have to do a lot of stuff that you don't like to do to right. put that business there. But once you've, once you've earned that, that luxury for yourself, I don't think there's anything wrong in yeah. indulging it. Right. It's season, I, I think it's seasons of life. At least for me, it's kind of seasons of life. I mean, you right. when, when you're, younger in your business journey you got to do a whole bunch of different shit that i mean you got to wear a lot of hats and that separates uh, a lot of the winners from the losers right is being willing to a lot of, yep a lot of the winners a lot of i think it just comes down to stamina and being willing to do a lot of the things that the quote-unquote losers the people who are and i just mean people who are not winning i don't even say that as a as a, a knock on their identity but the people who are not winning they generally are just not willing to do a lot of the things that the people who are winning do, and they don't do it because they love it. They just do it because they have a strong enough reason to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder, I, I, I go back, I, I think a lot about like the stories we tell ourselves or the stories that we hear that resonate and the companies we admire. And, you know, it's, it's easy to admire like Amazon and those life who had all those books about, about uh, Walmart and Amazon and that kind of thing too. But to be honest, like some of the companies I admire most are the are like Craigslist. Right? Yeah. What are, they, just, what are they? It's like it, it, is it is it fifty? How many employees? It's like a billion dollars in revenue or something. Like ten. <laughs> <laughs> like like nothing. Like nothing. But I mean, that could be. Uh, they have like they get like five hundred million page views a month, <laughs> yeah. like something like that. Yeah. Right. But but you think? I mean. How many, how many yes, Silicon Valley that. firms take, take that business over? Yeah. Well, how many Silicon Valley firms must have gone up to them and offered them ungodly begged, sums of money? Actually begged, not only offered money, but got down <laughs> on their knees. And then, and then you have <laughs> and groveled. And then you have Craig, who's like, nah, bro, I'm good. Like, I'm making 20 million bucks a year and I'm just chilling, living my life and I'm providing a great service. And this doesn't need to be any more than it is. We don't need 
to do anything more than what we're doing right now. Company that I admire most, I keep on my list every day, all day, Casio. They created the first ever digital watch, 1978. And they got it perfect on day one. 14 bucks, tells time, lights up, has a timer and an alarm, it's waterproof, and the battery lasts forever. That's it. Watch doesn't need to do anything else. And as a result, they've been selling the same ugly-ass watch for 50 years. Now, they've screwed around and done done stuff like the G-Shock and all that kind of thing. But the reality of it is, it's, it's so perfect in its simplicity. And that's, that's what I admire. It might not be for you. Right. I'm like, people give me all types of fitness gadgets all over the place, Apple watches and that kind of thing. And I'm like, I don't use them. Like I give them away. Cause I just, I don't want that kind of stuff. Um, so that's me, but, but those are the, those are the types of companies that I admire. I want to do all of the work that we need to do. That's what we did with our software quick coach, man. It's the Casio watch of online training software. I'm building it in a way that I don't ever expect to have to touch it. It doesn't integrate with anything. It doesn't automate anything. It does exactly what it needs to do for trainers. Nothing more, nothing less. And if you're looking for higher level automations, that type of thing. But the reality of it is the average personal trainer has 10.4 clients. Basically, no independent trainer has more than 30. Why do you need something that's powerful? You don't. You need something that's going to save you time, make you look professional. And, uh, and so that's, and, and, but it's the same type of thing. Like it's free. It's a, the software is hundred percent free. It's my gift to the industry, like straight up. We'll process, you know, if people want us to, we have payment processing and, and invoicing in there. If people want to process their payments through us, we'll take a fraction of a percentage. But, uh, but beyond that, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I don't need to do anything with it. Yep. Like, and I think fi- that's you could the- figure out how to monetize it. Uh, uh, oh, fr- it's not hard. <laughs> I, yeah. mean- I mean, a friend of mine, he's in the digital marketing world, SEO world, and he, he, I believe he started with buying an existing tool for SEO research, like right. keyword research. And then what he did is he just, he spent a lot of money too. I mean, he was spending six figures a month for a while, I, I remember. And he just copied basically all of the useful features in the competitive products, but made his free. And that was the beginning of- Is this Neil Patel? Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, I know he put out a free, a free tool like that, yeah. Right, and so so- that his free tool quickly became uh, about as good as the tools yeah. that people were paying $100 oh, so- a month oh, for. software is better than any of the other platforms. And, and it Already. blew up. Niels yeah. blew up and then he monetized it and now it makes a lot of money. Yeah. So, so think, about, think about even this breakdown. I mean, A, our software is already better than anything else out there. Uh, uh, now, it doesn't do as much. But what it does do. It doesn't need to. Um, and a lot of the reason why the other platforms are difficult to use is because they're cumbersome and bloated. I mean, they're just, they just do stuff for people who don't need that stuff. 
And so there's a lot of people who do. That's great. There's a lot of people who don't, and they don't currently have an option. That's, but here's, here's a basic breakdown of numbers. Well, so also, co- why don't you quickly tell people where, if they, if they want to see this software, if they're, let's just make yeah, sure they quick, know where. Quickcoach.fit is the website. Okay. Cool. And so um, initial, initial prototype that we'll get it out to uh, costs about 350,000 bucks to put together. Okay. Give or take. Um, right now, I, I haven't checked today, but right now there's just over 11,000 on the wait list. Zero dollars in paid advertising. And so we've, we've gained. So if you look at this as a pure marketing expense, it's cost us $38. Again, I don't do public math. So give or take the change. It's cost us $38 a lead for 11,000 leads. Irrelevant of everything else. Yeah. Right. To, to market everything else that we do, because really this is kind of a marketing tool for education and stuff like that. Well, $38 for a lead for a B2B niche is actually really, really good. So alone already, I'm doing as good or better than I would probably be doing with cold advertisements. Then you consider that these people are actually going to get something that they actually want versus like an ebook or a course or a free course or whatever it is that, I mean, they may or may not want, right? But, but the odds that they're going to spend a lot of time going through. So if you have a cold, if you have like an ebook or whatever that you convince somebody to download with an advertisement, get them on an email list, you're doing like in that email list is 10,000 plus, like you're doing good if you're getting a 15% open rate and a 1% click rate. Well, a quick coach waitlist has a 78% open rate and a 37% click rate. And these people are going to be logging into our software every single day because they're going to use it to manage their clients. And by the way, inside the software, there's a grow your business tab where they can talk to us about how we can help them grow in their business. So from a pure marketing expense standpoint, let's say I spend half a million dollars on this tool. If I were to use that same amount of money on paid advertising, I mean, spend that on paid advertisement in a year easy. What's my return on investment? Irrelevant of everything else. It's actually a really interesting kind of, kind of, kind of flip, right? Building a tool for your audience. I'm surprised more people don't do it. What about red flags? So red flags, when you're trying to pick a trainer, yeah. things that should give people pause. There was a book by somebody named Upton Sinclair that was written a long time ago, uh, like 1920s, 1930s. It was called It Can't Happen Here. And it featured a demagogue who, who rose to become, I think it was governor at the time. It was, it was actually pretty present um, <laughs> kind, of, kind of book. But one of the lines in the book I highlighted and wrote down, and I've never forgot it. And the line is, it is difficult to get a man to understand something when his job depends on him not understanding that thing. I know that quote. It's a good one. And the reason that I bring that up is the number one red flag when choosing a trainer is that trainer has branded him and herself around some sort of dogmatic approach. Now, do you mean like a branded dogmatic? Oh, the paleo diet or or maybe just low. I'm keto killer 27 on Instagram (laughs) or whatever, right? And nothing against any of these things. 
But the reality of so it is- So that would mean intermittent fasting as well. Just people listening, if they go, that is the one, that is the the way, like the right. stupid Star if Wars show. brand is based around these things, there's a chance that that might be the best thing for you. But there's also a pretty good chance that there isn't. And the the reality of it is the coach, a coach in branding themselves in a in a dogmatic way and and building, you know, perhaps reputation around that or whatever, they they literally can't say, no, this isn't the best one. We've seen lots of experience of this. I mean, we've seen um uh, what was the famous example? There was a vegan fitness influencer who basically got told by her doctor that she was like she was like super ill and they're like yo you need to eat fish was that was that the banana girl who shoot only like that i don't remember i remember exactly. seeing some youtuber she'd eat like 30 bananas a day or claim to or something something like that and like there's nothing again there's nothing wrong with veganism but once you brand yourself around that it becomes very difficult to say okay well this is right for me but for you, perhaps a different approach is right. Steaks every day. <laughs> right? I mean, we see this with all the insane, um, like, like Instagram nonsense stuff, where it's basically just, it's just exhibitors. I mean, it's just, it's, it's what's the new. Liver what's, King. What's, yeah, I wasn't going to mention the name. But I mean. I, it, I've, I've commented briefly in a, in a Q&A. It's it's, so, it's it's clever marketing. I'll it's say it's a hundred percent clever marketing. And the interesting thing is that somebody exposed it. Um, basically, like him and this other guy who also like sells liver and that kind of thing are actually like have a company together. Yeah, of course. Somebody figured that out. And the other guy is like a slim, like fifty year old guy who is sort of more normal. And they they basically just wanted to like corner both parts of the market. Like he's just got a he's he's got a PO team behind him, media team behind him, right? And he just does stunts. Like that's all it is. It's clever marketing. It's stunts. It's obviously gotten a I mean, lot. It's attention. obviously contrarian. It is for sure. It's, it's it's even some of the stuff is kind of grotesque and it's ridiculous. It's stunts. His, it's stunts. His, no his look is kind of grotesque, and you know it it makes you uh, stop scrolling. And I guess mm -hmm. half of social media now is just that. All right. So I mean, to me, that's a red flag. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Like, like this guy, it's like, well, I feel like I need a little bit more vegetables in my diet. Like you're not going to go to that guy. Um, so that, that to me is the number one red flag is if that trainer, if he or she or they has branded themselves based around some sort of dogmatic approach to training or nutrition, I would say it's a red flag and be very, very cautious. Again, it does not mean that you shouldn't hire them. It doesn't mean that they don't know what they're talking about. Absolutely not. It doesn't even mean that what they're talking about is bad. It could be very, very good. But understand that in doing that, they've painted themselves into a corner and cannot possibly build a full mental model of the different ways that fitness and lifestyle and nutrition can be a part of your life. And, and I think to, it's pretty to, important when coaching people to understand that there's different ways for different people. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. And I was just going to add that, um, the, the same, uh, same tip would apply to exercise as well. If somebody is saying that 
one way of training. This is the one way, and it could be, um, it could be a certain, it could be a certain type of programming, or it could be a high intensity interval. That's, that's everything has to be a high intensity interval or, or some mm-hmm. derivative of that or so forth. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's tons yeah. of examples of it. Yeah, yeah. And it, there's, there's, there's pressure to do it. It's, it's interesting because marketing, a lot of it is marketing. A lot of it is marketing and you, you see lots of examples of it. And then oftentimes when you go deeper into that person, you realize that that's a lot more depth. One example, I think, I don't know the guy, but, but I've seen a few of his things, the knees over toes guy yeah, and uh, buddy, a buddy of mine. Oh, is he? Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the name and everything, you're just like, ah, oh, what is this shit? Like more of this, like, what? but then, but then. I mean, you go deeper and you realize there's more depth to it. And it's, you know, there's a lot of intelligent training and, but uh, on Instagram is stunts. That's how you get attention. And then you can decide whether to go deeper or not. So again, it's just a good example of like, it doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't something there that could be really beneficial for you. It's just, well, that's the nature of a red flag, right? Yeah. It just means that like, mm, slow down, look deeper. Yeah. Um, and, and we're, we're talking about uh, likelihoods here. And I would absolutely agree that the likelihood of right. that person not being a good fit goes up when yes. you, you, you see uh, a very rigid approach to, I think, anything related to eating, exercising, living. <laughs> totally. Totally. Uh, last question for you. I know you got to run, and that is just when when should people consider quitting uh, uh, and then moving on, finding somebody else with their coach? Yeah. Ooh, that's I don't, I, I don't, dude. I don't think I've been asked that question before. I don't really know. Give me give me a minute to think about it. I want to hear your answer. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I wanted to pose it to you because um, people have asked me that. I know also people, they find it uncomfortable, right? The, yeah. So they, when they start working with somebody, um, they they then, they they I've seen many people, I think, work too long, stick with somebody for too long. Like mm-hmm. it was clear at some point that it just was not the right fit and they just kept going. Yeah. And so to, to, to start out, I mean, we could start with the obvious, um, if, if somebody, if, if they, if they don't know even the fundamentals, then the chances are they're going to have a hard time helping you get to where you want to be. So a lot of people who are looking for a coach, especially these days, it's so easy to educate yourself online. So if, if a, a trainer or a coach didn't know what energy balance is, and they're giving diet advice. They're saying, "Hey, I'll make you a, I'll make you a nutrition plan," and they, and they, they, they couldn't explain to you what energy balance is, or they couldn't explain to you um, the difference between protein, carbs, and fat, and how your body uses those those different macronutrients. It's, it's. Uh, I would say that that is probably well, certainly. I would say you probably shouldn't get a nutrition plan from that person if you're trying to significantly improve your body composition, um, because that's 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 pretty fundamental, right? To being able right. to at least you have to you don't you don't have to count calories, of course, as people know that uh, you don't have to track everything you eat, but you do need to understand what a calorie deficit is and and how to produce one. Um, so that could be an example. Yeah, if you're looking, there for are many loss. examples of just bad advice that. That um, I mean, I don't I don't know how to 
I mean, I understand the principle of a calorie deficit, but I couldn't tell you how to do macros and anything. That's just never been an interest of mine. I've never coached nutrition. See, uh, but you just said that you don't coach nutrition though. So yeah. you, you're the, you would be the type of trainer who would tell your client, Hey, um, what I specialize in is this exercise programming oh, yeah. or, Oh, and, I can and, program, man. Uh, I can exactly. build programs. But, but, but you uh, would, you yeah. would be okay saying that I'm not your guy for a nutrition plan. Right. I could, I could teach you a few things, but if you really want to dial in your calories and macros and get things adjusted, yeah. da, 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 I know I'm not guy. your guy for that. Exactly. I'm not that guy. Those yeah, are, that's what you would say. Um, so, so, uh, if though, if a, a trainer were to not say that, if they say, oh yeah, I got you, no problem. Uh, here's your nutrition plan. And then you right. would find out that they, that they, they, they don't know again, even like, you know, nutrition 101, then that'd be that, an issue. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a red flag, right? Because now you have to wonder what else do they not know? And if you're, if you're that, that client, uh, there's a lot of unknown unknowns. That's the problem, right? You don't know what you don't know, and you're hoping the expert knows. And now you have to wonder. And when, again, it comes down to, to to likelihoods. What we're trying to do here, if we're a potential, if we're a client, is we're just trying to increase our chances of getting somebody who can help us get to our goal effectively and efficiently as much as we can, right? And um, so that that would be one. Um, obviously results i think uh if it, what are your thoughts on if somebody's not seeing results in a certain time frame for example um but you did make a good point earlier in this interview that if you're new you can do pretty much anything and and see results um so it, it's really hard to not get results however i'll add an asterisk and then give the mic back to you is Fat, fat loss. I don't want to hijack the conversation. I'm going to, I get, I get, I get hate. Uh, I get comments every, every interview. I mean, some interviews, I swear I'm so good. Like I don't, I don't say much of anything. I just ask my questions and I just, I just acknowledge and ask the next question and I'll still get comments. Oh, you interrupt guests too much and you hijack the conversation. Um, but anyways, with fat loss in particular, right? That's yeah. where, that's something where you can get results quickly and just doing effective workouts is not enough. The, the question to me is what the client is after too. Mm -hmm. The majority of my clients for the eight years that I trained in person did not have major physicals. You know, they were happy to, to look a little bit better, but they were largely health-related, functional-related. I mean, they wanted to feel sexier for sure, but it wasn't like I need to lose 30 pounds. And I actually think the majority of personal training clients are not weight loss or muscle gain clients. You know, like, like they're not, they're not yeah. going to hold a trainer. They're not actually there for that. They, they may enter in and hire a trainer and say, I want to put on five pounds or 10 pounds muscle because their, their understanding going into the gym or wherever they're talking to the trainer is like, this is what I should be asking for. Like, like if you don't know, if, if you go into a, a conversation with somebody who's an expert in that thing, everybody, myself included, kind of starts with what they know and says what they feel like they should say that's correct in that situation. And so it's the trainer's job to ask why. Why do you want to do that? Okay. What would that mean to you? Oh, do you remember a time when you felt that way? 
Oh, was there anybody else there? Well, all of a sudden now, Susie, who told me she wanted to lose 10 pounds when she came into the gym, is now talking to me about her real goal, which is to feel the way that she felt when she wore a black dress with, on a cruise with her husband when he couldn't keep her hands off of her. And she still has that black dress and she wants to fit into it. Well, who gives a shit what Susie weighs? Because you and I both know that she's going to fit into that dress, probably weighing the same amount, but with a bit different body composition, which is exactly what happened. Susie's a real person with her name changed. And so, so I, I mean, that's not like, like when the fire trainer or whatever it is, but I, I think it's important as a client to say, okay, well, like, what am I, what am I really after? Um, and how can and I make sure maybe that the what's a, what's a reasonable expectation of what it's yeah. going to take to achieve that? Right. And then, um, cause, cause many people, they think they are quote unquote, not making progress when they're actually doing quite well. They just have the wrong, ex yeah, they just have the wrong expectations often because of social media, because of stuff they see on social media. It's, it's crazy to me. I mean, even my own, my own physique, uh, I'll train so hard and I'll be like, oh, I'm not making any gains. And then I'll have like a little period where I'm like not training a bit. And I wake up in the morning. I'm like, Whoa, how'd that come from? You know, <laughs> like, that was pretty cool. Um, two, two, like to me times though, when you should immediately, like I've got a few non-negotiables with anybody I work with and, um, and, and honesty and punctuality are the two. And uh, so the minute that anybody, I, I believe that you should be 100% honest in all of your dealings every single day, no matter what the situation is. No white lies, no nothing. And I try to do that. I catch myself doing white lies to, in my mind, protect other people. And I hate when I do that. And I'll, I'll try to self-reflect on it. But the minute that anybody is dishonest in any way, cut ties immediately. There's just no question. I give all of my staff so much leniency, so much. But the minute that they are in any way, shape, or form dishonest, it's an immediate fire. And it's only happened a few times. But, but honesty, number one. Um, punctuality. Perhaps I'm a little bit far over the line on this one. But I think punctuality is one of the top three, one of the top important traits for people to have. For sure, successful people. Every successful person I know is punctual. And maybe that's just my upbringing as a personal trainer. I mean, you just have to be punctual. Like you have to be on time. But if you want other people to respect you and your time, you've got to be punctual. You've got to respect their time. doesn't mean that stuff doesn't come up and you might be late, but you try to get ahead of it. You try to send a message ahead of time and say, hey, there's a chance I might be running late to this. I have something before I can't get out of. Hopefully I'll be there on time. But I wanted to let you know in advance if you'd like to reschedule for a time when I can be 100% I'll be punctual. Like get ahead of it that way if you can. And so to me, if a trainer is not punctual and if a trainer is dishonest, cut ties immediately. They are they are immediately red flags for the type of person that that person is. Great tips. Yeah. I mean, the dishon the, the honesty point, um, for me as a, as a, if I were thinking as a client, absolutely the punctuality, uh, I maybe 
I mean, yeah, I it, think would, it, would, it would really annoy me. It, it personally, it really would annoy me because I probably like you. Um, I, I I try to spend my time carefully, and I try not to waste just time. Like, do what you say you're going to do. I'll tell you an example, yeah. and then I got to go. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Arizona for a month and a half in in January and February because my parents are in Arizona for the winters, and I wanted to be close to them. So we we lived in Arizona for a bit, and I I got together a group of local fitness pros in Phoenix and Scottsdale and stuff like that to go for a hike. You know, instead of like bringing people together, we'd go for a meal. I was like, Hey, let's just go for a hike. So yeah, it was like 15, 20 of us. It was super fun. And there was one guy I didn't know, you know, but I, I, I noticed on Twitter, he, uh, he was from Scottsdale. So I shot him a message on Twitter. I was like, Hey man, we're, we're getting together. And I knew that he followed the PTDC and stuff like that. Like he followed my website. And so I sent a message, like, Hey man, we'll get together, you know, for, for a hike on this day. Uh, if your fleet would love for you to join us, you know, it's just a bunch of bunch of local fitness people getting together. He's like, yeah, man, that sounds awesome. I was like, cool. What's your number? I'll send you a, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put you on. I had a text message list, right? I'll, I'll send you a text. And I and he sent me his phone number, and I sent him a text. Never heard from him. And then the day of the hike, and 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 the text, like, not everybody got back. Like, I didn't ask people to get back. In fact, I said, don't respond to this mass text. If you need anything, you know, respond to me personally. Just show up. I'll see you there. And, and the day of, he posts a schedule. He's like, oh, it's going to be a busy day. And right in the time when we were supposed to go hiking is his, like, ice bath. And I was just like, you have just shown me that I want nothing to do with you for the rest of your life. And and I even sent him a message, like I like I responded to it, and I was like, "So I guess you're not coming from the hike." <laughs> like, I don't give a shit. Tell me no, or don't respond, <laughs> right? But if you say you're going to do something, people make plans with you in mind. Now, I mean, I didn't make plans. I was looking forward to meeting him, but I, if I ever come across this person again, I'll be cordial but I will never go out of my way to serve this person in the future. Because to me, there are very, it's such a great disrespect to say that you're going to do something to somebody and then just ignore it. I think it just highlights the importance of manners. <laughs> yeah. it, it really does. And, and obviously he would say, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, he, he, he wouldn't consider things like that a big deal. Maybe even if people do that to him, he doesn't care. Yeah, but, I don't know. But, I don't know what it but is. The point, the point that I'm making, though, is um, that, that different people perceive things differently and manners are extremely important. And, um, and this point of punctuality, I think, is that's manners 101. And if in this point of... Uh, of doing what you say you're yeah. going to do. That is manners 101. And that's also being a, well, being a dependable no. person. Well, say no. Well, like, that, that would, that I would have then so be, much respect for people who say no to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so hey, much respect. If, if he would have just said no, then he is doing what he says, right? He said that he's not going to go and he doesn't go. And he doesn't uh, go. Uh, totally fine. And yeah, so I, I, I totally agree that um, and then, and then this, this other point also just speaks to uh, just reliability, dependability, right. and in 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 work. That to me, just as honesty, I totally agree with you. That's a non-negotiable. This point of doing what you say you are going to do is also a non-negotiable for me. Um, I, I would 
would never work closely yeah. with somebody who is not. I mean, you've said 100%. no to me a few times. I sent you a message, say, hey, we're yep. doing this thing. Do you want to join up? And you said, no, man, that's not something that is important to me right now, but I wish you the best. Cool, yep. dude. Yep. Let's talk again soon. Yep. <laughs> it's fine. I said no to you about, yep. I think you asked me to. And to, I don't take uh, it personally. And I know you don't at all. Legion too. And I was just like, I'm yep. just not doing that kind of thing right now. <laughs> yep. It's fine. Right? Exactly. I'm no, not going to say I, yes and then never send out the link because I know that if I say I'm going to promote it, your team will probably put together some materials for me and I'm, I'm not going to use them. So <laughs> yep, it would be yep. disrespectful. Yep. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know you got to go, but last, last little, little, uh, little peeve that is is similar to this. I'm sure you've experienced this, where people will introduce you to somebody. Oh, you should talk to this person. You should do an interview with this person, and then in the so in the in the email thread, they're like, "Oh yeah, sounds great. You know, hey Mike, just just reach out to me. We'd love to do it. Reach out to them. Never hear back." On oh, yeah. principle, on principle, follow up like three times just to be annoying and get no response every time. Right. I love it. It's happened. It's happened quite a few times in in the, certain the people's there networks. Was with the person making the making the introduction, though. No, I know, like, I know, I know. It's the wrong way to do it. It's the wrong yeah. way to do it. Like, like what I'll do. Like I was introduced to somebody. I, I've, I've, with I've got. Lunch. I've I've also gotten it though, doing it the right way, where they actually asked the person, and so the reason why the person said yes to their a uh, proposition to be introduced mm. to me is they wanted to maintain maximally good relations with our mutual friends, so to speak. I think that's bullshit though. I, like, I, I totally agree. It's total to people, bullshit. I've said to friends of mine, like, I'm not, but I'm not I, I make it a point now to go back to the mutual like friend. I go back to the mutual friend when that happens and just tell them, Hey, by the way, that person totally flaked out. And they're like, yeah. really? Because he sounded so excited when he talked to me. And I'm like, yeah, he's just he's just trying to keep you buttered up because he probably wants something from you at some point. But just know that sure. that person is full of shit. Just know that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. That's, that's tell me tell me how you really think about that. Yeah, that, that's it's right. just that's just pathetic. But right, anyway, I know you got to go. Um, why, don't, why don't we just wrap up quickly where people can find you and your work? Um, and and you already mentioned the software, so they you know, quickcoach.fit. Yeah. Other than that, Instagram is the best place right now. It's at it's coach Goodman on Instagram. Um, and then quickcoach.fit is, is the software if you're interested in that. Cool. Thank you, brother. You got it, buddy. Well, I hope you liked this episode. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did subscribe to the show because it makes sure that you don't miss new episodes. And it also helps me because it increases the rankings of the show a little bit, which of course then makes it a little bit more easily found by other people who may like it just as much as you. And if you didn't like something about this episode or about the show in general, or if you have ideas or suggestions or just feedback to share, shoot me an email, mike at muscleforlife.com, muscleforlife.com, and let me know what I could do better or just uh, what your thoughts are about maybe what you'd like to see me do in the future. I read everything myself. I'm always looking for new ideas and constructive feedback. So thanks again for listening to this episode, and I hope to hear from you soon.